there is such a thing as kind of overstimulation and especially when you're in a in a educational setting and you know for instance learning scalp acupuncture and and uh dealing with the learning curve that goes along with that and you know really getting the right technique to where it doesn't it's not painful Mm. um but that day i think all of us had a really bad headache we're really cranky we're like i don't want to be touched please no more needles i'm done with acupuncture (laughs) i want to be my current self from this point forward i want to learn how to play piano working with human beings drinking wine in the middle of the day i want to be a Driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? My name is Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. If you'd like to support episodes like this being made, please check out the show's Patreon page at patreon.com slash half hour intern. I'm really excited for today's episode. It is an episode that I've been wanting to do basically since I started the show, and it somehow just always evaded me and uh, and fell to the back of the line. But finally, it's happening. We are doing a episode about acupuncture. We have Joyce Kowalchuk on the show, who was an absolutely excellent guest and answered so, so many questions about acupuncture. So if you have ever wanted to know more about about like the history of acupuncture, like how the heck did this all get started? How do we know that these are the right points in the body? How does it all go down? Can you hurt someone with the needles? Uh, how? What are like the most needles that you can stick in someone? All sorts of things. It's all covered in this episode. Without further ado, here is acupuncture. Joyce, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I would first like to know what got you interested in acupuncture? Like if you could tell us when you first kind of heard about it, maybe when you first tried it, and then what made you so interested that you were like, I should do this for a living? Because a lot of people like know about acupuncture. It's no different than I guess being a a masseuse or something like that, where it's like everyone knows that, that at any time they could go and become a masseuse or something, but they don't do it, you know? So like what made you actually like pick up your life and go like this, this is what I'm going to do with my life now? Yeah, so... I mean, from an early age, I always wanted to be in healthcare, and I had somewhat of a, a, a unique upbringing. I was raised in the family business. My father was a mechanic. I was trained to be a mechanic in the family business. So I have a lot of hands-on experience kind of with um, three-dimensional problem solving in a way. Um, and I was always getting into things, taking things apart, putting things back together, and just kind of understanding how systems worked um, in, you know, in relation to engines. But also, you know, growing up in New York, I was always outside playing around um, and I was just very hands on. So I, I was first exposed to acupuncture in high school. Um, I was an avid runner. I, I ran my first marathon at the age of 17 and I was always I always tended towards more holistic kind of wellness practices in my own healthcare. Uh, so I was introduced to acupuncture that way um, through training and and just through you know overall wellness, no specific injury or anything. Um, and it wasn't at that point it wasn't something that I was like oh I like I'm going to do this. This is what I want to do. Um, I was actually on on the career path of becoming a chiropractor. And there was uh, a moment after 
after high school where I went to go visit a college and I went to visit their chiropractic program. And when I got there, they had an acupuncture program and I completely like I, I canceled that that appointment. I went and saw their acupuncture program. I was like, this just makes sense. This is like it really that was probably the moment where everything came together. Um, after, you know, everyone was expecting me to go to become a chiropractor, I completely switched and um, I never, never turned back. It's so cool. I've never really considered that before. The type of person that I would imagine is drawn to this is like you were saying, or like basically half of you, someone that's really into, um, you know, uh, holistic health and like natura- naturopaths and stuff like that would be mm-hmm. drawn towards acupuncture. Um, and, and I'm very much that way. Uh, something that it wouldn't really occur to me is like the other half of you. And yet that makes so much sense, which is someone that is interested in like engineering and breaking down systems and stuff like that. Because as you learn more about acupuncture, it's like there is, uh, this, I mean, it's just this whole system of, of, uh, of like points in your body, you know, and like, okay, touch here. Now this happens, put a needle here. Now this happens like further down the line, which is so much like working on a car or something. Yeah, it definitely is. And it's, it really, what, what I like most about it is that it, it considers all systems individually, but it ties them together as one functioning unit in a way that I don't think, you know, any other medicine does as well. Um, and as broad of a spectrum. So that's, what's most interesting. Yeah, about it. That's really cool. So before we get into acupuncture itself and like how you do it and everything, mm-hmm. if you could give us a little bit of the history of acupuncture, because it is really freaking old. Uh, <laughs> if you could yeah. tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, definitely. So it uh, depending on where you where you look, acupuncture originated anywhere from three to five thousand years ago um, in in China. And I say that because, you know, Back, you know, centuries ago, things weren't necessarily archived as well as they are now. So it was more of a a tradition that was passed on from one master to the next. And then, you know, further down the line, they started documenting and creating a, um, you know, a classical uh, text where you could draw from, you know, draw the the medical theory from. So, uh, you know, it emerged in China and over the centuries, it started to spread through cultural exchange, travel, uh, trade to other countries. And so it, in that spread of the medicine, you also ended up with all different kinds of branches and different um, techniques and different areas of how they interpreted the original classics. So... Uh, that's re- kind of where it originated. I really can't fathom how amazing it must have been for people getting exposed to it for the first time thousands of years ago. When it's like, if you if you have a, a problem right now and you get exposed to acupuncture, it still works <laughs> nowadays, you know, versus back then. It's like the and that's and that's compared to other things modern medicines that people are using you know it's like okay right. I've, I've got this major problem in my shoulder i've been taking like a thousand milligrams of ibuprofen for it uh-huh. or you know whatever it is and it's like or i could go see an acupuncturist and it works 
it's like, well, a thousand years ago, people didn't have ibuprofen, you know, right. but uh, it was just like, oh, uh, like maybe chew on some burdock root and drink some mm-hmm. like nettle leaf tea and we'll <laughs> see what happens. And it's like nowadays, if somebody with a, a shoulder, if you, if you tell them those things, you know, like chew mm-hmm. on some root and drink some tea, see how your shoulder feels. They're like, dude, I don't feel that at all. Cause like, you know, right. you're kind of like, you get used to the power of modern drugs. You get used to ibuprofen. You get Definitely. used to a coffee waking you up in the morning. You get used to the strength, I guess of the things that we use nowadays mm-hmm. and even being used to the strength of the things nowadays acupuncture still holds its own so i feel like for those people way back when it must have just been mind-blowing like how well this worked yeah and that's just that was the way of life it was more it was more than a medicine it was a belief system it was you know it's steeped in in Taoist, uh tradition and, and culture and it's all about you know living in balance and harmony with your surroundings and Um, you know, from what it was established from, external environment is just as important as internal environment and keeping those balanced. Mm, Love it. So have you theorized at all about how thousands of years ago these people discovered the right spots on the body? I I've, tr- I've tried to think of this myself the times I've gotten acupuncture in the past and I like mm-hmm. can't even begin to guess. And then I was looking this up today online before this interview, uh, like, you know, a different thoughts, I guess, as to how people figured this out. And one of the things that came up that I was like, God, I can't believe I didn't think of that. Like that's, uh, that's, I guess like what it was maybe Uh is that these people just meditated. So like they were so meditative and they would do the acupuncture as part of like a meditative practice. And I just think about times in my life where maybe I fasted for Mm -hmm. a couple days or you eating, you're eating like an incredibly clean diet. Um, Uh And then, you know, you, let's say you are meditating, you get good at clearing your mind. But when my body is very, very, very clean, like let's say I've been fasting or something, Mm -hmm. you can feel more things that are going on inside your body. Like you notice a very little change in your body when you're fasting, you know, or when you're eating super clean. And then I was thinking about the meditation on top of it and all these things. And I'm like, damn, is that it? Like, did they, could they like stick a needle in one spot? And they're like, okay, I stuck that needle in my shoulder and I can feel it in my big toe. So there's some connection between my shoulder and my big toe. And they just kept documenting this like day after day, after day, after day, over hundreds of years. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's exactly what happened. It wasn't just one, you know, one person that created this medicine. It was a group of scholars over time. Uh, But you bring up a really good point about you know, the med- the meditative aspect. And, um, you know, it's important that acupuncture is just one kind of one unique category of traditional Chinese medicine. So it, in addition to acupuncture, there's also, um, you know, Tui Na Massage, which is Asian body work. There's the uh, Chinese herbal medicine, uh, moxibustion, and then these mindfulness techniques, which would be like meditation, qigong, tai chi, mm-hmm. and all of those things are considered in the in the practice. So it's not it's not just like, you know, physical, you know, observation of, of human anatomy and physiology. That's a, a big part of it, but also, you know, where your mind is to get to those realizations. And it's a very circular type of of learning and experience versus a linear like this happens, then this, if that makes sense. For sure. So the thing that still is is mind numbing to me to try to wrap my head around is is yeah just the true extent to which i guess some of these people must have uh been able to sense their own bodies because i'm Mm -hmm. thinking of like the things that are in acupuncture where let's say they are good for your liver 
or like your sp- you know like different organs yeah. and it's like uh-huh. how the hell did someone <laughs> like feel their own liver when a needle was stuck somewhere or something you know right yeah i i mean that is that's the the work of masters and you know I can only hope to be there one one day, maybe when I'm very, very old. Um, <laughs> You're just propped up on your little Zen pillow, yeah, just feeling exactly. your own liver. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's still quite mind boggling to me, even um, you know trying to figure it out these in in modern times. Yeah, do you ever sit there and like put a needle in yourself and try to feel it? Like try I to do. feel it where you're supposed to feel it, I should say, not like where you're sticking the needle in, but whatever it's supposed to affect. D- definitely. And there are there are even different styles of acupuncture that focus more on the, you know, emotional uh, aspect and more spiritual aspect of the points versus a like purely musculoskeletal approach. Mm. So you'll like put one. It's uh, it's like your Zoloft, like you're like having a bad day. <laughs> you like stick one somewhere and be like, do I feel better now? Yeah, honestly, it's not. I don't get as much of the effect doing it to myself, you know, just because I can't I can't really do all of the points that I would want to do um, just because of, you know, I would have to move and then it would be uncomfortable. Mm. But in my experience getting acupuncture, I've had some really, really profound experiences, um, you know, things that induce laughing hysterically and then crying and then, you know, just kind of like breakthrough moments. Um influenced by just energy sorting itself out in your body that's incredible how repeatable is that like when you had that experience did you tell your friends like hey you guys got to come try this as well and then like they all did it and they're like i don't know what you're talking about or or is have you seen like these same points that made these things happen on you it happens on a lot of people the same way so it's totally it's totally variable and it depends on the individual but um a lot of times the first treatment is can be most profound for people just because, um, you know, it's a brand new sensation. Your, your senses are heightened, you're paying extra attention. And then maybe in the course of treatment, you're like more used to it and not as aware. That's just, you know, one, one perspective of it. So you mentioned different, like that, it that, that back in the history of acupuncture, that it kind of got branched off into different, I guess, ways of doing it and techniques and stuff like that. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Like, what is the way that most people like yourself are learning nowadays? Are there still other ways that you could be taught or be doing it? Or is everything kind of coalesced into like one form of acupuncture now? So the in the United States, the um, main kind of category of acupuncture is called traditional Chinese medicine. And that is the more standardized version of the medicine that was um you know, kind of interpreted from the classics, I would say. Um, and the reason for the traditional Chinese medicine is, is to make it um, uniform across, you know, nationwide. And that's also what your national boards, national board exams are on. So everyone practicing acupuncture in the U.S. needs to be familiar with traditional Chinese acupuncture. And that is um, basically the the differences between each style are really in the diagnostic the uh treatment and the techniques um, that sounds like everything yeah exactly <laughs> really it's only these three things yeah. but it's everything yeah so but, they um, all still use needles that's like the similarity that they have but other than that they're totally different d- yeah 
Well, so traditional Chinese medicine focuses more on the diagnostic of tongue and pulse. So if you've been to acupuncture, they'll ask you to stick out your tongue and they'll feel your pulse a little bit longer than a medical doctor would. Yes, totally. You know, Um, and what they're what we're feeling for is the quality and quantity of the pulse. So that's just one diagnostic um, in comparison to like a Japanese acupuncture, which is more palpatory based. So it's very hands on. It's one of the style of acupuncture that I practice. Um, a lot of abdominal palpation and almost not, you know, almost no focus on the tongue. Uh, so it's, you yeah, know, it's I have so many questions. So <laughs> I, this is making me wish that I had done this. Uh, I had done this interview like right after I last got acupuncture, but unfortunately it was like a full year ago, but you're like uh-huh. jogging my memory of all these things and these questions I had at the time, which is like, so I was going for these tight muscles in my upper left shoulder for the most part that like I just could not get to release and to calm down and mm-hmm. uh and they would still do that at the beginning of every visit and to me I I don't understand that because like it isn't isn't you feeling my pulse and you looking at my tongue basically just a measure of my overall health or something so how is that going to change what you're doing with my shoulder or are you always also just doing a, a couple needles here and there to try to help the person out with their overall health uh, that that depends where you are in the treatment. So if it's it it would change whether it's your initial treatment or continuing care. So um, the reason for always checking the tongue and pulse is to get a kind of a baseline for you because no one no one's nor you know no one has the same baseline pulse in comparison to others. So it's kind of recognizing how you should be existing in your in your own body um, and tracking progress from one treatment to the next so it definitely is uh, it is substantial um, information to know it's not necessarily going to change you know change the treatment of your shoulder pain but with acupuncture if you are just treating shoulder pain a lot of other things can get better your sleep can improve you know, immunity, there, it, it boosts your immunity. It can help digestion, help mental clarity. Mm. So just checking in with these things from one session to the next is significant in tracking your progress. Yeah, probably now that I think about it, maybe just it, like, let's say I did have all these like muscular knots or something and mm. something as simple as that gets freed up that then maybe the energy flows and your whole body is getting freed up more and your right. uh, the chi is like getting its groove on. Exactly. <laughs> nice. Nice. I like that. Um, all right. So uh, let's see here. Uh, if somebody wanted to get certified like you did in becoming an acupuncturist, what exactly goes into that? Because it is, it's pretty formalized like medical school. So um, what yeah. is the cost of it? What is the time that it takes to become an acupuncturist? Are there different levels? Yeah, definitely. So uh, education varies from school to school and from state to state. So depending on where you're going for your education, you want to make sure that you're going to an accredited institution uh, by the American College of, of um, you know, Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine. Uh, and what that does is it allows you to sit for your national board exams after education. So the actual program is anywhere from a three to four year commitment after you've completed undergraduate education. And it's uh, either 
from master's to a doctoral program. And um, do they care the, what your undergrad was in? Like, do they want your undergrad to have been in biology or something? Or is it like, hey, if you happen to get a business degree back in the day, mm-hmm. we don't care. Like, just, you know, start from your master's here. Yeah. So that's what that's what's interesting, because there is uh, there's not a lot of uniformity with that, with those prerequisites, which is uh, um, so it, it totally varies between states like in New Jersey. You need to have a bachelor's. It doesn't need to be in, you know, in the medical field, but you need to have a bachelor's degree in order to practice acupuncture in New York and excuse me, in New Jersey, in New York, you only, I think you only need like 60 college credits before you can enter that program. Hmm. Um, so it totally varies. Interesting. How many of these schools are around the country? Is this one of these things where it's like, oh, there's only like 10 of them in the whole country. So you got to get into one of those 10 or is there like one in every freaking city? (laughs) I think there's one in every state at least. Um, But it's it's definitely not, you know, states are not booming with acupuncture schools there. I think there may be um, there's one in New Jersey, which is the one that I went to. There's uh, in you know a few in New York, a few in Arizona, so they're not really wide. They're not really uh, easily accessible. So some you know I commuted from New York to New Jersey for three years for my education. Hmm. Um, so yeah, they're they're uh, it takes some research to find the the right program. And now as you finish up, I'm again I'm wondering back on on when I did it because I was trying to go the less expensive route. I went to the school that was in San Francisco and uh, it was either some people that like, and this is the part that I can't remember. I don't remember if it was people that were still students, um, but they were like finishing up their training mm-hmm. or if it was people that uh, were had like just graduated basically that I okay. was seeing. And then, but that like during my very first visit, one of like their instructors would come in the room with them and mm-hmm. uh, just kind of make sure that they were doing everything correctly. And then from that point forward, they were cut loose with me. But so what I am wondering is after you do your schooling, if you are uh, like a, a medical doctor, uh, let's say mm-hmm. a surgeon, you need you have residency, then you have fellowship and things like that. Mm-hmm. Are, are there things like residency and fellowship and acupuncture? Or is it like you graduate and you are cut loose right after you graduate? The first couple of years is, uh, you, you know, more academic um, areas of focus. You learn Chinese medical theory, Western medical theory, and you even start to needle your classmates and get you know familiar with certain techniques. And then the last year of your education is clinical application. So you you basically you're a student intern, and it sounds like that's what you where you went, where you right. have a clinic okay. supervisor who you know you're practicing under their license. But you have to, you know, propose your treatment plan, go over the the intake, and they just oversee your practice, basically. Cool. That's really cool. And yeah. once you're done with all of those, are you like, how do you get a job? Like, are you, yeah. are you supposed to like open up your own place? Are you supposed to go and work somewhere else? Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's a great question because when when uh, you you know, suggested these, these, uh, things to talk about as I was recalling my education and this whole process to get to where I am now, where I have a private practice. It, uh, it's so far from, from kind of what school prepared, I mean, school prepared me for it, but so you finish school, 
you the next step is, you know, you graduate, you get your degree from the accredited school. Then you have to take your national board exams. There are three different exams. Um, you know, there are fees to t go and sit for the exam. After that's done, you get your results in maybe a month, a uh, month to two months, and then you have to get licensed. And that is totally by state. You might have to take an, an additional state uh, test for rules and regulations. Um, and once you have your physical license, some of them can take anywhere from one month to six months to receive. All the while you're not making any money. Exactly. So, I mean, there are, you know, I've heard of people doing like apprenticeships in the, in the meantime and, and working as, you know, a receptionist at an acupuncture practice, those kinds of things. But if you want to get out of school and have your own practice, there's still a lot of, of things that you need to get in place before that can even start to happen. Yeah, for sure. Man, thank God for like Uber and Lyft and stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just start driving for six months or something. Exactly. I know. Uh, and then what is the, you mentioned the cost of tests and uh, what is the cost of the tests and the schooling combined? Like what would a price range be that someone would be looking at if, if today they decided that they wanted to be an acupuncturist? So schooling is anywhere from $20,000 a year and up, depending on where you go. God, it's um, so crazy how expensive yeah. school is, like any form of school. It's just yep. insane. Yeah, it's and and a lot of people don't realize that it's it's very it's definitely an investment. Um, and then if you're there for the the four years, then then it's even more. But so after that, you then have to for the three exams. I think they're around three to four hundred dollars per exam. And then you have uh, your application fee, which is maybe around four hundred dollars in itself. Um, and then licensing fees, you know, business licenses, your state license, all, all of these things. So you're in for like a hundred K when everything's all said and done. Probably all said and done. Yeah. Wow. That would be that's, realistic. Uh, that's a lot of money, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's jump back to acupuncture itself. So first of all, are they called needles or am I saying the wrong thing? Yeah, they're they're called needles. They're single use. Once they're used on one person, they go in the sharps container, never used again, um, and you know disposed of. Um, and they're individually either individually packaged or sometimes they come in packages of ten. Um, and they're stainless steel. The the needles that I use are stainless steel. Do they but make? They can be. Yeah, go ahead. That's what I was going to ask if they make needles out of other things for other reasons. Yeah, they can be, um, they actually make needles out of gold, which are traditionally used in more like spiritual um, practices. It's a more precious, you know, it's a more precious metal and it has a, uh, you know, it interacts with the ions of the body in a different way than stainless steel would. Yeah, that makes in, sense. You know, in theory. Yeah, anything else? <laughs> um, other than that, I think those are the two the two main ones that I'm familiar with. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then what, <clears throat> how many needles are we looking at for treatment of a particular thing? Like what is maybe like an average number of needles that you might put in somebody? What is the lowest number of needles that you could possibly put in somebody to treat something? And what is the most needles that you've ever put in anyone? <laughs> so average for, for my treatments is probably around 20 to 25 
And I try to, you know, depending on whether I'm doing a local treatment for like a, a pain, a pain treatment, or if I'm doing more digestive, I'll, I'll pretty much do at least the point on each uh, part of the body. So legs, arms, um, and the, the head. So the minimum amount of needles I would use would probably be if I was just focusing on, on ear acupuncture, which is more uh, great for, you know, smoking cessation, uh, PTSD, trauma, weight loss. So that could be like four needles per ear, eight total. Mm. Um, the most, I would say maybe about 70. And that is more, um, those are more maybe cosmetic or, uh, you know, wider range of, of musculoskeletal pain. Oh man. I've never even considered cosmetic. People will use yeah. the needles to what, like increase collagen production or get the muscles firing or something. Yeah. That's when you go, what's great about the acupuncture needle is it can go right into the dermis, which is where collagen and elastin are produced. And by stimulating that level of the skin, you, you kind of reinvigorate, uh, you know, your healthy glow. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I do. Or is that always on the face or some people like just hit me in my butt, you know, like, let's like tone <laughs> this butt up. Yeah, well, for, for cosmetic, yeah, heavily in the face, but then you'll do like supportive uh, body points to address overall health and wellness. Like we were talking about before, you definitely want to include that just because if you do a soul, uh, like a, a, a cosmetic only treatment, it's not going to be as effective if you do not address the entire body as a system. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I would like to talk in a second about like how often you do that, I guess, anyways, like for any sort of mm -hmm. thing. But before we get there, I want to jump back to something you mentioned a little bit earlier, which was the ears thing. So Something, uh -huh. and I'm sure that most people that have gotten acupuncture will be familiar with this, but so the times that I've gotten acupuncture, um, most of them, and all the times for that shoulder, she would always do like four or so of them in my ears, and <laughs> I hated it. Like I was, that was like <laughs> yeah. the part I like really didn't look forward to, because you could like feel them kind of like crunch in, like when they do like mm -hmm. the, the middle part of your ear, you know, there's, it's just kind of like cartilage right there, and you can feel it. Yes. And, uh. Anyways, something that she told me after um, treatment one day is like, because I was asking about like inexpensive ways to be getting acupuncture done. And she's like, yeah, we actually do a free ear clinic twice a week. So you can come in and get your ears done for free. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, get, why would I want to do that? Like, I don't want to just get my ears done. Like, I hate getting my ears done as is right here. Yeah. She's like, well, <laughs> and I was like, and what's the deal with the ears anyways? Like, why do you always got to like hurt me in the ears? I hate that, you know? And she's like, <laughs> yeah. well, the ears are seen. She's like, there's like so many points there and stuff. She's like, the ears are almost like a microcosm of the whole body. You know, like right. you can almost just do the ear. And she's like, it's not quite the same and not quite as good as if you had also done it in parts of the body. But she's like, mm -hmm. almost like anything you can map out by just doing someone's ears. Uh, mm -hmm. So what's going on with the ears? Yeah, so exactly that. They are, it's it's basically a microsystem. Your your whole body is represented in your ear. Um, there are other types of, you know, other styles of acupuncture that are like that. Like there's uh, Korean hand acupuncture that all the points are in the hands. There are styles where all the points are in the abdomen. And it's the same concept, just applying that body map to one specific part of the body. And I 
I usually use ear acupuncture as more of a support to a treatment. And mm. especially for depression, anxiety, they're really, um, I know that you say they're, they're crunchy and, and there's definitely a lot of nerve endings in the ears, but once they're in, they, they can be very calming, great for high blood pressure. Um, but yeah, I use them as more of a support. I don't, I, I like, I like a patient to feel like I've addressed their concern by, you know, through palpation, through listening, through all of that. And instead of just like listening to them and then doing a few points in the ears and, um, but it, it does also depend what they're coming for. Yeah. So with someone that studied, uh, Chinese acupuncture and like the, the form of traditional Chinese acupuncture that you did, I guess, mm -hmm. make an argument for ears and why you guys don't do hands and don't do the abdomen. And have you studied those other ones at all? Cause like, I feel like if I, if I did something one way and I found out that there were entire schools of people that were like, oh, mm -hmm. we do something really similar to yours, except for ours is right here. I would want to be like, OK, well, yours is dumb and mine's right. You know, or like, <laughs> like, like, you know, so why the if you can if you can make a microcosm of the whole body anywhere on the body, then why uh -huh. would you do the ear? Because the ear is kind of like I kind of rather have it be my hand or my abdomen or something because the ear is so sensitive. So like, why choose the ear? What is that? Is that any better than the hand? Well, the the hand hand points are usually very they're some of the most sensitive points. And a lot of people don't like those being needled more than they don't like their ears being needled. So that is, um, that can be a little bit of a challenge depending on who you're working with. Um, but you know, the ear, it's, it's just one of those things that, that, you know, ancient scholars have established, but what I do a lot of is abdominal acupuncture and just mapping You know, I think that's a lot more forgiving. It's a lot less sensitive, but, um, still very, very effective. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. What is the most painful place to get needled? Hmm, most painful. Uh, I don't I know me personally, I really don't like the bottom of my foot to be needled. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's never even happened to me. That I can imagine that being really unsettling. But once it's in, it's it's there's a really good point for insomnia on your heel and you know, when I've had it done, I'm cranky about it. But when it's done, I sleep like a baby that night. So I can get over it. But that's probably my most uncomfortable. Um, and for 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 other people, um, they're called Jing Well points. They're basically on the, the edges of the fingernail, like where the skin meets the fingernail. Um, you know, just above your last knuckle. That's very sensitive. Oh, it can, that tend, it can awful. tend to, yeah, it can tend to bleed, but it it, it pretty much activates that whole entire uh, meridian or channel. Okay, and that's why they're effective. <laughs> Man, interesting. So you mentioned the whole sleep thing about like that night you would sleep really good. How long mm -hmm. can we expect these things to last for, depending on the thing? So let's say it was a mental sort of thing, like let mm -hmm. um. And then I would put the sleeping thing almost in a category in between mental and physical and then a physical sort of thing. So um, let's say somebody was having like upper back pain and, you know, you had to do a few treatments on them. How long could they expect their back to be loose for? Let's say you did the sleeping one. Like how, how many nights in a row of good sleep can someone expect um, if they don't change their lifestyle 
mm-hmm. like beyond coming to you. Yeah, that's a that's a good that's a key part because it isn't it's not just the acupuncture. It's the it's kind of agreeing to if you, I mean if you don't want to make changes then uh, lifestyle changes then acupuncture treatments can last that day. Some people if they make no other changes some people can get weeks of relief. Some people never have to go back. But those aren't as uh, repeatable. It definitely requires a little bit more. Um, you know, we during during those visits we address lifestyle and, in the case of of pain, what motions are aggravating that pain? What you know conditions, um, whether it's heat, cold, things like that. So, it can really range. It's just so difficult to get people to change their <laughs> lifestyle. You know. Yeah, but I'm not I'm not trying to, you know, it's it's their it's their life. I'm there to educate them and tell them what would be the best scenario for what they're trying to achieve and then it's in their court to be honest, you know. Right. Uh so you with your friends and coworkers uh and colleagues and stuff like that and other students back when you were a student are you guys just sticking needles in each other like all day long? Cause like, I, if, if I didn't have to pay for it, I would just be like, Oh my God, like I have a headache acupuncture. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not sleeping very, very well. Acupuncture. I feel a little sad today. Acupuncture. I feel yeah. bloated acupuncture. I would just be like <laughs> walking around with needles in me all the time. That's pretty much, pretty much what would happen. You know, we would for class once we had our, um, our class portion, we would then do a hands-on and we would practice our points and different techniques and, um, sometimes, you know, it, it would be, it was really nice getting weekly treatment, you know, multiple times a week, sometimes for, for the three years. Um, but there, there is such a thing as kind of overstimulation. And especially when you're in a, in a educational setting and, you know, for instance, learning scalp acupuncture and, and, uh, dealing with the learning curve that goes along with that and, you know, really getting the right technique to where it doesn't it's not painful. Hmm. Um, but that day, I think all of us had a really bad headache. We're really cranky. We're like, I don't want to be touched. Please no more needles. I'm done with acupuncture. Yeah, that's great. So what is the tech? I I didn't even consider that, that there is like a way to make it less painful. Like what is the way that, that new students start out that they're not doing quite correct and it's more painful and like, in what way do you become more delicate? Just practice really just getting getting that hands-on experience well i mean Um, i guess i mean what's the painful part like are they are they jamming them in too hard are they jamming them in at the wrong angle like what's happening yeah so when you typically when you get pain from an acupuncture needle a few things can be happening but one of the most common things that's happening is you're not doing as quick your insertion might not be quick enough so the needle is getting stuck in the layer of skin that has the most nerve endings and that's when you can get like uh you know, almost like a searing little sensation or like a little, a little pinch or a little burn. But as soon as you, as soon as you go beyond that layer, if you, if your insertion is good, your technique is good, there will be no pain. Interesting. And then how accurate does the point have to be? So if there is a point on the hand, let's say that you need to get a needle into what sort, uh, like how many, uh, like, uh, 
what sort of diameter around that area are you allowed to hit and it still works? Do you, are, are you given like no leeway whatsoever? Like it has to be within one like micron of that mm-hmm. spot or is it like you have like a hundred microns or something? Yeah, there some points have a wider area of efficacy, if, if you will, uh, versus others. Um, and, you know, in school you learn that, you know, this point is exactly this measurement from your um, you know, bony landmark. But in reality, it's if if you're palpating, you're feeling for change, any kind of um, you're distinguishing between changes in the tissue and almost like feeling for the point, knowing around where it should be, but also considering uh, where you're feeling it, if that makes sense. Yeah. But how do you feel the point? It, like, are you yeah, like what kind of crazy person are you that you can feel the point underneath their <laughs> so it's skin? Not, yeah, it's not. It's. I mean, for some practitioners, it's uh, th- who are very tuned in. It can be energetic, but what I'm feeling for is um, change in really change in fascia, change in tissue, temperature of you know of the person's body, and um, sometimes you'll have a little depression. Sometimes there will be a little like nodule, um, things like that. So you saying even that sounds like almost supernatural to me, like, oh, noticing like a change in temperature, this or that. So I would love to know, since you have been schooled in this, have you just become more attuned to everything? Like, do do you find yourself to be like a more sensitive person with your senses? Like you, you hear more, you feel more. Well, this, I mean, this is definitely a sensory medicine and you know, in my, in my own free time, I do try to cultivate, um, the, the mindfulness that helps to be a practitioner and, and to develop like a strong constitution because you can't, you know, you can't pour from an empty glass kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know if I notice. I mean, what, what I have noticed has made a huge change is my practice of Qigong and that, and the awareness that that brings and that not to sound like elusive or like, uh, um, supernatural, but basically just, um, you know, stillness and meditation in your, in your surroundings. You don't have to be like clear your mind. It's just like, yeah, I guess, I guess it would be more open while still, you know, keeping a protective, um, barrier around your own health if that makes sense yeah totally that's interesting i mean again it sounds like you're kind of a superhero it sounds awesome (laughs) and uh, i hope to get there one day that sounds really cool um so i I, this i guess isn't a question this is uh me just telling a little story so Mm -hmm. uh when i lived in san francisco down the street from my house there was this uh this amazing old Chinese man that opened up a massage place that, w- that was just called traditional Chinese massage. That's it. He mm-hmm. didn't really speak English very well. And he did basically like acupressure style massage, some sort of like traditional massage. And he was the first person ever to introduce me to Gua Sha, which was like the coolest freaking thing ever once I got introduced to that. Nice. And so something that was very, very interesting. And again, this guy didn't really speak English. So he would just do stuff and then he couldn't really tell you about like he he would like or he would like he would do gua sha on you and be like oh wow you know like if you were like really turned like i i would turn like black you know like it was like Uh bad and uh so anyways 
on the on the first time that he ever did gua sha on me he was like do you want me to try to do some like other parts you know and I, like other than just my back and i was like yeah for sure so he goes down my arms a little bit and mm-hmm. right on the inside of my elbow area it on both arms it got like beet red like right on mm-hmm. the middle on this one little spot and i was like huh that's really interesting and so a little bit of back story I have lots and lots of lung problems. I've had pneumonia like many times in my life. I've got asthma pretty darn bad and I've all mm-hmm. these like br- have had all these breathing issues in my life. And so fast forward to like a year after I'm with that guy for the first time and he does the gua sha right there and I see these points go all crazy. I'm having mm-hmm. some sort of like lung breathing problem and I go to get acupuncture for it. And she's like, oh, I got to do like this one spot here for your lung. And she hits the needle like right into right where, the part that where... Uh, where it had like that had gotten all red when the guy did gua sha, you know? And it's uh-huh. like, damn, my energy is like not flowing correctly through there or something, you know? Like it's just it's so weird to to see these things like actually bear out. You know, like it, when you go to get acupuncture for the first time or any time, there's a part of you that wonders if this is actually going to work or if they really know what they're doing or if it's yeah. if it's all just like placebo or whatever. And so when they tell you like, "Oh, it like let's say I hadn't done the gua sha, right?" And mm-hmm. someone told me like, okay, that that point right there is one of these points that's going to like help out your breathing and your lungs. I'd be like, okay, sounds good. But it's like, I don't know how much I should trust that person. But the, right. the bizarreness of the fact that when the guy did the gua sha on me and scraped my arm and it went crazy right there, basically like showing that there's like not good energy flow or something right there, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the acupuncture together, it's like, Again, back to the point of like these people thousands of years ago having just an incredible amount of sensitivity to their own body and like truly being able to map that out. It's just mind blowing. Right. Exactly. And that's I mean, a lot of the times with my when when patients are on the table, I'll tell them to, you know, scan their body and start from, you know, the head and, and work down to their feet and let their, you know, try to try to feel where physical tension is. And even just having that realization is can be really profound for people. And, um, you know, people with anxiety can have all of this tightness in their chest and they can hold their breath and and lift up their shoulders and start clenching their teeth. But if you don't if you can't even realize what your what your body is physically doing, then you you almost can't separate that emotion from that physical manifestation. Yeah, man, you are so, so right. Has You said that you were already into um, like holistic medicine and stuff like that before you even mm-hmm. ventured down this path. But now that you are an acupuncturist, are you like that much, I guess, more into that? And in, like you said, you do um, like Qigong now and stuff like that. Or what did mm-hmm. you say, Tai Chi or Qigong that you do? Uh, Qigong, yes. Yeah. So do, do you do, uh, are you like just so much more on board with all of these things now that you are into acupuncture? Yeah, well, I still I still practice Qigong. It's more of like a um it, it prepares me for my day in my practice and it's really it really helps me to get focused and to get into my into my practitioner, you know, mode. Um uh, other than that, I you know, I I do things that everyone else likes to do. I like going outside, I like, you know, going to check things out, looking at at art. Um it's not all about like, you know, 
wellness and and uh you know you don't just sit at home meditating all day long exactly no i just want to say joyce that i've never heard anyone say that as their hobby and that's the greatest thing that i've possibly ever heard i'm going to use it for the rest of my life the (laughs) i like doing things just like everyone else you know i go outside i check stuff out like when people ask me from now on like hey so what do you do in your free time oh i check stuff out you know yeah that's a lot of it (laughs) it's really good (laughs) i like that it's a great hobby Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Um, so are there any pressure points, like we mentioned um, some on the ears, stuff like that, that are just super common that you find yourself working on with most patients? Yeah, there's a there's a point on the hand. Uh, a lot of people already know this point. It's between your thumb and your pointer. Um, and it's kind of like that meaty muscle um, that helps you move your, your thumb around. That's a really strong point for headaches. Um, great for early onset upper respiratory infection, um, sinus issues, migraines. So I use that point pretty frequently. You mean a little um, bit further down towards the wrist or higher up in the meat? Yep, still on on the palm. So like right in the in the the belly of the muscle is what it would be. Okay, like a little bit further down, it, like it's still <laughs> on the meat, but just approaching the wrist at the bottom of the th- that thumb meat area. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> like that point right there on both of my hands is is like very sensitive to the touch and okay. and like very like you know I like the the guy when I would do the Chinese uh, medicine he would always tell me to like do like self massage there and stuff like push really hard on those points. What it, what is what is that? That's it's on the same channel as that point that we were just talking about. And that can be um, it can be from overuse, any kind of like typing, playing an instrument, um, just wrist issues more so. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you didn't say something like, oh, it means you're dying. You're going to die very soon. No, no, (laughs) (laughs) no. Cool. What uh, what are some other really common ones that you use? Uh, Other than that. Like I said, I really like doing a lot of abdominal acupuncture uh, and kind of like the, the more uh, powerful points on the limb. So there's a, there's a point on the shin, just off the shin on the lateral aspect. Um, it's, uh, it's great for just overall immunity, um, digestion. It's it's really it has so many function you know indications mm. that I use that one pretty often. I was going to ask that. So when people will come and see you, um, just so that way they kind of like have a good experience, because obviously you want to have return customers. You want people to feel like, hey, that that worked well. I I, I felt better when I left than I did when mm-hmm. I went in. You know, will yeah. you do you do things just to kind of help out somebody with their overall wellness that aren't really related to what they came in for? So if they came in saying like, hey, I have asthma, my breathing's really terrible. Will you do some other things that are just kind of like general health related? Yeah, and I can. A lot of times it can it works into the you know the point prescription and the treatment plan anyway. And a lot of the points can be synergistic. So it's not like, you know, I'm just kind of throwing darts at because, you know, they say they want a, they want this fixed and that fixed. Uh, it definitely works well as as a whole kind of treatment versus just arbitrarily putting things places. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, is there anything that acupuncture does not work well for? Like, have you ever been interviewing a patient and, or like taking a call on the phone and you just been like, eh, I don't think maybe you should come here. Like you should go to a doctor or something. 
They're over the phone. I've never really turned anyone down, but as you know, as part of part of my obligation as a practitioner, I need to know the scope of my practice and know when when I need to refer out for the you know for the health of the patient. Uh, the only things that would be like there there are like for instance, cosmetic acupuncture is it's contraindicated if you get migraines, and that kind of makes sense because you're a lot of stimulation on the face. Um, you don't want to exacerbate the migraine. Um, things like that that would that we would establish before treat you know before starting a treatment plan. Mm-hmm. But um, it's really great for you know as a standalone treatment or as part of a you know a, a Western medical um, like to complement Western medical treatment. Have you ever had anyone like freak out when they are getting it done? And or do you have any like really funny stories? Like have you ever put a needle in somebody and, and like a whole bunch of blood just starts gushing out or like oh, something really funny? Uh, I guess maybe that's not fu- I mean, that's funny to me. Yeah. It's probably not funny for them. <laughs> but like any other funny stories? Um, Funny stories. I mean, they're, they're, the funny story that I can think of is when you know, my, I have a a friend who's also an acupuncturist and we'll help each other out with like more musculoskeletal release. Um, we, we both do trigger point therapy, which if you've ever had it, it's so I I can't really describe the experience, but we'll, (laughs) we would go in her basement where she had a, you know, a, a table set up and like a little treatment room and we would release trigger points on each other and we would be yelling and screaming and her, <laughs> you know, her partners upstairs being like, what the heck is going on down there? It sounds like some kind of exorcism. And like, <laughs> you're like, yeah, basically it just, is. it's just that much of a release when you're, when your muscles relax. Yeah, man, you're, you're really making me want to do that right now. Um, <laughs> it, it's like, I have one of those, uh, I forget what it's called, but you know, one of those canes that you're like to, to help you hit different like trigger points in your back and stuff. Oh yeah. And it's like, it's just so hard to like really effectively do these things Mm -hmm. on yourself, you know? It is. Yeah. A needle is, is a lot more effective than in in trigger point. A needle does, uh, makes a world of difference versus like manual release. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Would you steer people away from just buying some needles and trying to stick them in themselves? Oh yeah, definitely. Do not do that. I <laughs> okay. don't even think you have to have a license to to buy acupuncture needles anyway. Man, you obviously <laughs> have never been on the internet. You can get anything <laughs> on the internet. Are you kidding me? This is also true. I I didn't consider that. <laughs> yeah, get some bitcoins and you can get like whatever you want. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right, Joyce, let's go ahead and start to wind this thing down. So first of all, what does the pay look like once you become an acupuncturist? Because we know that you're going to be about 100k in debt once you get started. So then, what does the pay look like once you do get started? So that depends on on which area you choose to practice in, which state. It can vary. Um, the I think right now the annual uh, median income or salary is around seventy thousand, um, but it can be, you know, it can vary widely from that i know you know six seven figure acupuncturists and i know people on the opposite end of that so it wait, depends wait, wait. What you... did you say you know seven figure acupuncturists i know of them yes <laughs> whoa that's crazy yeah and that would be more of a i don't know that that's solo practice but you know when you start to create a wellness center or get associates things like that it's it's possible yeah or if you're like a celebrity dog acupuncturist or something it, yeah like that. that too yeah <laughs> 
Love it. That's all. Do any people do acupuncture for their pets? Yes, they do. And from my understanding, I don't know the regulations in Arizona, but in New York, you need to be a, a, a vet before you can be um, do acupuncture on animals. So you need to be uh, licensed in both. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That's, mm-hmm. that's probably for the best. Um, yeah. All right. Cool. Joyce, uh, what sort of tips would you give people if they are going to be doing their first acupuncture visit after hearing this interview? I would recommend you, you do a little bit of research, um, you know, see if you can if you can see what kind of style the acupuncture pra- acupuncturist practices, uh, see if it would be appropriate for your particular uh, reason for going. Um, and also just, you know, go into it with an open mind. Um, definitely talk to your practitioner, explain, you know, let them know they're, they're there to listen and, um, do not go on an empty stomach, but don't go on a completely full stomach. Oh, uh, come on, Joyce, <laughs> not full or empty. Yeah. <laughs> what would happen? Well, I'm sure full would not like you could like vomit or something. If you go too empty, yeah. what you might faint. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Gotcha. Joyce, well, this has been awesome and so informative, and it really, really makes me want to get some acupuncture done. This is uh, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. I really enjoyed this. Hey, everyone. It's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you did, I would appreciate it so much if you considered leaving a review for the show on iTunes. I swear it'll only take like two minutes. Um, just search for the show on iTunes, click on it, click on ratings and reviews. You can leave a quick review um, or just uh, keep listening to the show. I appreciate that as well. Or tell a friend about the show or something. And if you have any ideas for the show, if you have a particular job or hobby that you would like to hear interviewed on the show, if you yourself think that you do something interview worthy and you would like to tell the world about what this job or hobby is that you have, head on over to halfhourintern.com. There's a link right there at the top that says submit your ideas and you could submit your ideas for the show be them uh, somebody else that you would like me to interview a particular field that you would like to hear about or even if it is you yourself that would like to come on the show thanks so much for listening you guys